You guys know what's happening tomorrow night, right? At five o'clock? No. Royal Rumble. <laughs> yeah, buddy. <laughs> it's WrestleMania wrestling. season. Is it WrestleMania tomorrow? Yeah. Night? yeah well, it's season. So season. The Rock has come back. Uh, okay. Explain Will what's he... going on because that's okay. not the world that I live in, but I know you live in that world. I live in that world. Let me take you back about three weeks ago. Okay. <laughs> the Rock made a surprise entrance on a SmackDown in San Diego. Mm. And the place went bananas. And it had the most amount of views ever on YouTube. Wow. Like the clip, right? Wow. And so he said that he was going to be at the head of the table, which is Roman Reigns. That's his saying, right? So now is it going to be Roman Reigns and The Rock at WrestleMania 40? No one knows. Or is it going to be Cody Rhodes finishing the story of winning the belt that his dad never won? So... So there's some storylines there. Dude, It wrestling right now is the best it's ever been. Really? It's good. That's cool. They're That's making cool. the most amount of money they've ever made. Ratings are the highest they've ever been. Hi, everyone. Welcome to episode number 21 of The Middlemen, a weekly podcast focused on educational issues, specifically from the perspective of male middle school teachers. I am your slightly above average host, Brian Brown. Derek is not with us this week, um, but we still have um, Brad Curry. Brad Curry. And we are so grateful to have our first guest, our first interview, mm-hmm. Eric Holstrom, who is a special education teacher in our district. Um, and this episode is intended to just sort of interview and talk with him a little bit um, about that role. Like we say every week with our combined, well, it's 63 with Derek. Eric, how long have you been teaching? Uh, 18 years. 18. Mm-hmm. And what were you, Brad? 27. So wow. we're at uh, 48 with Eric. So right, 48? 58. 58. With our combined 58 years of classroom teaching experience, our opinion is no more important than yours. We just happen to have a microphone. So before we start asking Eric some questions, I just want to talk a little bit about Eric and then Brad, you can jump into and then Eric can talk about himself. But if you don't know Eric Holstrom uh, and you live in our town, then what you don't know is probably one of the best sped teachers that we have. Um, Eric started off at my site for 10 years, yes, nine years, nine years, yeah. uh, and then moved over to Brad's site because um, and mostly because his kids are there and his wife is a counselor there. Mm-hmm. Um, but my experience of Eric is he's one of the best and most engaging SPED teachers with students. They they respond really well to him. And he's just a great colleague. Right? And yeah. Brad, your turn? Absolutely. Yeah, I've had some good SPED teachers work before, but nobody's ever been better than Eric. Honestly, that was last year Thank was you. awesome. He just kicked ass and showed me a lot of what could be done. And I'm looking forward to finding some questions about how you learn how to do what you do. But uh, yeah, Eric is a, a, he's a, rock, he's a rock star. Yeah, great, he really is. Rock star wrestling star. I mean, there he's the, go, he's the Hulk Hogan. That's right. Is that right? Is that Holstermania. the right one? Holstermania. That's right. Holstermania. That's, right. Holstermania. That's what you do with your students. That's awesome. That's right. um, so Eric, can we start off by you just giving us a little bit of how you got into special yep. education yep. and what led you there? So I was a youth pastor for many years um and i was a youth pastor in indianapolis so i went to school to be a youth pastor in outside of chicago and then uh i went to indianapolis that was my first job as a youth pastor and our church was smaller on the small size but our youth group was growing by leaps and bounds Mm. like we were you know 250 kids there on a concert night and they just kept coming and it was because i kept going to the schools and I kept building relationships with the kids and their families, and they just kept coming. Wow. And a lot of those kids were not church kids. They were the rough ones, but they kept coming. 
And uh, so that's where I met my wife there. Um, and then I finally got to the point where I, I, I can't do this anymore mm-hmm. because they kept coming and I kept being told that we need to spend more time with the church kids. And I was like, hey, I, I want to spend time with outside kids, right? Um, all kids, but mostly just trying to have relationships with those kids. And so I made a decision to leave and I wanted to go into another church, but a non-denominational church. Mm-hmm. Um, and I couldn't find, I was in the Nazarene church and nobody would want to hire me because I was from a conservative denomination. Mm-hmm. So then moved to Ridgecrest in Southern California, halfway between LA and Vegas. And that's because Angela's job took her there. So she was a counselor. So I went there and I thought, well, I'll do some subbing, right? So I started subbing and I was in an SDC class. And that's when I decided, okay, I want to do this teaching thing. Hmm. So um, I sat down with the lady um, at Chapman University and she said, what do you want to teach? And I said, "Ah, I just want to be a teacher. And she said, do you want to have job security? And I said, "Uh, yeah. She goes, then be a special ed teacher. Hmm. And I said, okay. So that's what I did. Um, Twice a week, uh, I would go an hour and a half, so three hours total, on a Tuesday and Thursday after school. So I was a long-term sub, SDC, um, and then did that, got my credential, and then uh, we moved uh, here Hmm. to Brentwood. Real quick, uh, if... People are into the nomenclature. Though the SDC is the special day. Oh class, yes, right? special day class. Correct. So and is those, that a that's a class there together? Yes, the whole day, day with long, you, except for PE. Okay. Yeah. Um, so they're usually uh, like four or five grade levels be- below where they should be, and it's a very small class, maybe like seven eight kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, I taught them all day, and then they went to PE, and that was my prep. Okay. So can you talk cool. a little bit about like what your current role is mm-hmm. as a sped teacher because there's so many different things you could do with that credential yep, yep. um and maybe that yeah go yeah ahead. so i do uh isp which it, which means i have a caseload of 28 students that are all in the regular class and so then when i was at adams i would you know go into those classes that they were in uh, i worked with you and a bunch of other teachers as well. And then I have um, some aides that work with me too. So then they push out to those classes. Too. And you manage those aides. And I manage the aides. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, I manage where they go. And then we take the lowest students on the caseload that need the most amount of help. Um, and then they come to me for tutorial support. And then that's a class where I um, help them with their homework, get them started. They don't finish because it's a lot of homework, but at least mm-hmm. they can go home knowing what they need to do. Um, and then also do the IEP meetings, schedule all that stuff, and always have my room open for school help. Kids. And you have IEP meetings consistently, right? So it's getting it's it's getting a lot. Yes, yes. I'm sure. So uh, you did the SDC for a certain amount of time, and you, mm-hmm. so that's like you're locked in one room with the same kids all day long. That Correct. are usually like a handful, mm-hmm. and then currently you follow kids throughout their day to all the different disciplines and you provide them hands-on support. Correct. What's the difference or challenge of kind of not being on your home turf with your own classroom, but you're moving room to room and yeah. dealing with all the different teachers and everything? So the biggest challenge is, I'll tell you what's easiest for me is to stay in my room and have those kids come to me. But that is not what's best for the kids. Mm-hmm. My job is to go where the kids are, and my job is to help them be as successful as possible in the general education classroom, 
whatever that is. And so when I walk into, because I've worked with both of you guys, right? Mm -hmm. When I walk into a gen ed teacher's classroom, I walk into that classroom as a guest, right? And so the teacher teaches, and then my job is to not sit in the back of the room. I am constantly moving around. And I don't just help those kids on my caseload because I help all kids, because I don't want my students to feel like they're being singled out, Yeah. right? And so what I try to do is build the rapport and the relationships with all students. So then when students do have to come to my room, and it is a special education classroom for tutorial support, it's not a bad place to go. It's a place where people want to go. And I've gotten to the point now where a lot of students want to come to my class for tutorial support, but they can't because it's only for students on an IEP. Yeah, I really appreciate that too. And I see sometimes throughout the years, you had a person come in and say, like, like, look at the class and just point to kids and go, that's mine, that one's mine, that one's mine. Like, oh, please, no. Like, that one's mine, that one's mine. Right. And then just, like, you guys all come sit with me in the corner or something, just, like, really singling kids out. But but you were integrated so in there, they probably had no idea who was getting help because you were helping them all. And that Help is like, everybody. Uh, I think that also that, helps, yeah. um, I don't know how to say it, but regular general education students. Yep to also help those that need it more when they see you're helping kind of everybody. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that, it sounds like it'd be the kind of thing that would build strong relationships between students yeah, when you're with them. Because a lot of students on my caseload that I am in charge of, they struggle with advocating for themselves. They're very, they lack self-confidence, right? Mm -hmm. So if I can go help somebody else, then they feel like, oh, now I can ask help. And so I've broken down that wall. Mm. And it's not just with my kids, it's with all kids, right? My job is to help support the teacher. The teacher's job is to teach and my job is to come alongside and not have that teacher stop the middle of teaching. I get to come in so that teacher can keep teaching and I can fill in the hole. So walk us through briefly, walk us through what a typical work week looks like for you. Okay. Okay. So give us, give us the lowdown of your meetings and mm -hmm. your day and that kind of stuff. All right, so I wake up at 4.30 every morning. and You're a hero. I'm a hero. <laughs> and then I wake up and I have uh, the coffee and I just sit there and think about my day and what I have to get done. And then I have my breakfast and then I go to the gym about 5, 5.50, 6, 6 o'clock and mm -hmm. I'm there for 45 minutes. And when I'm at the gym, I really focus on like centering myself on what am I going to do that day? What can I, can I control? What can't I control, right? So I go home, take a quick shower, get to school, open the door. And I usually have kids waiting at my door because they need help, right? And it's not just kids on my caseload. It's all kids. So I'm there by 740 and I usually have at least seven or more kids who need help and I'm helping them, right? Then I usually have about a dozen kids who are just in there because they need a place to hang out and they're great kids. Mm -hmm. And so they come in there and it's, it's interesting because some of the kids who don't usually come in, they kind of stop at the door and then they walk in my classroom and... Uh, you haven't seen my, but it was a lot like my classroom. At you Alex. have, so to describe, I haven't seen Eric's classroom in a handful <laughs> of years, but just imagine a room filled with posters of wrestling and yep. NASCAR there you go. And, and a guitar in the corner. Yep. So and all sorts of paraphernalia. <laughs> all like, sorts of paraphernalia. <laughs> and, and it's intentional. All of that stuff is up on the wall because those are things that I received from gifts from kids, yeah. students, or from my own kids, right? Mm -hmm. And so my goal in putting stuff up is connections. So when they walk into my classroom and they're in a NASCAR, great, we got a connection. So then we can start talking. And we've broken down that barrier of, of oh no, I, I don't know, can I be here or not? Wow, we got a connection. So when we talk about motorsports, which then leads to they need help with homework, boom, 
then I help them. Mm-hmm. And they're coming in consistently. Right? If they're into wrestling, which there's a couple kids who are, then hey, we talk wrestling and I can talk for and hours. You've got a gigantic <laughs> love it. cardboard love it. cutout bigger so than you got life. Yeah, Rick Flair. Got Brother Flair. Yeah. So you got that for the morning and then the day yeah. starts. Okay. So then the day starts and then I have advisory, right? And then after advisory is done, I could stay in my room and do IEP paperwork, but I don't. Because what's more important is those kids. And those kids are only there and those teachers are there between those hours of you know, 7.30 and 3.15 or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. So I, my job is to leave my room, even though I might have a ton of things to do, and then I go to where those kids are and I go into those classrooms and I push into support. Mm-hmm. So when I'm in the classroom, um, I go in and I usually have seven or eight kids um, in there that I help support. I make sure that I write down the homework for the day, um, my own planner, so they see me modeling that, right? Um, and then I just go around and try to help if they're confused okay. and make sure they leave knowing what they need to do. And how and many the, parent sorry, phone, I know you like, you call parents and communicate yeah. or email or call All like how much are, how much, not just cause there's a lot of legality and sped yeah. stuff we talk about and like obligations and deadlines, timelines, but just on a day to day regarding their kids mm-hmm. progress and what they need to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, what's that? Like so, that? so every student's parents are hooked up on class dojo, which is an app that I've used since I started teaching. And so I am able to give points and take points away from kids who are working hard or kids that are off task, right? So no longer can a kid go home and say, the parents say, how was your day? Oh, it was good. No, parents can pull up Class Dojo and see throughout the day if they've gotten points or if they lost points, right? And I make notes on, because I try to capture the good things. I don't do a lot of the the bad things, right? Mm But I make notes like, hey, you know, this student was working hard, even though that student probably wouldn't go home and say something. But I wanted to capture that moment so the parents could see it. Whether they choose to not is up to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but I capture that. So I constantly I have that on my phone. So I give points and I take points away. And then I have parents that message me through Dojo. And then I am able to immediately respond whenever I have a chance. Mm-hmm. Right. So uh, I have a student who is. Um, deaf, hard of hearing, right? And so she hasn't been at school the last couple of days because she's been sick. Well, the interpreters, um, there's two of them. I let them know because the parent sends a message to me through Dojo. And as soon as I get it, I can let them know, hey, the student's not going to be at school. Mm. So then they, because they're coming from Concord, so they don't have to like drive all the way here and go, oh, I came here for nothing, right? So it's a great two-way street with the parents. Um, Some parents will say, oh, my child has a bunch of work to turn in. Can you grab that from him? And then, sure, I got it right there. Kids right there. Boom, got it. You know? And then end of day, you're looking at IEP Okay, so yeah. So then I have the tutorial support class. I have two of those. um, and Last two periods of the day? uh, Sixth period, and then I have lunch, and then seventh period. Okay. We broke it up into two periods because we used to just have one. But it works better. The smaller number of students, the more work we get done with them. Yeah. and then any work that they work on and they get done, they give it to me and they usually get a ton of work done, right? Missing assignments or something. And then I'll give that to the teachers and email them as well. And then the paraprofessional delivers them or we put them in the boxes. Okay. So then the eighth period's my prep. And then I either have to period sub sometimes, or what I do then is try to answer the emails. I send out the daily agenda, like the daily homework on class dojo. So parents know when tests are coming up, hey, we got a test coming up on Friday for math, and it's it's Monday. I send that every day, as well as what the homework is for every teacher I support. So that way the parents can look at it and say, okay, now I know what the homework is. So what we're lo- really looking at, if anyone yep. is 
listening to what Eric's talking about is we were looking at someone who is like multitasking three or four threads of activity almost mm-hmm. literally at the same time. Like mm-hmm. you're helping kids, you're de- determining your paperwork, right? And making sure that gets done. You're communicating with parents. You're also keeping track of the stuff yourself um, all at the same time. Yeah. That's yeah. just like on yeah. the daily basis for you. What's the, what are some of the time frames you have? Like you have some things that have to be done in 45 mm-hmm. days or what, like when the year starts, say, or when a new student comes to our school, what are some of the timelines that you're looking at to... Yeah, so usually about a week before school starts, I know when all the IEPs are, mm-hmm. right? So I am very intentional about setting up like, okay, in August, I have this many IEPs. In September, I have this many. So if in November, I have five IEPs, but I have none in uh, October, well, then I'm going to move two of those up. So I'm not asking these teachers to come to five meetings, mm-hmm. right? So what, could so you just... Dis- Tell yeah. what an IEP is. Oh, sorry. Individualized education plan. So we meet once a year by law with the parents and the student, because I always invite the student, and we go through anywhere from 13 to 15 pages. And we basically talk about what program they're in. We talk about accommodations. We talk about how many minutes of support they get, whether they have speech or push-in support from me. Um, and we talk about like state testing accommodations mm-hmm. and we talk about uh, goals because they always have goals, whether it's reading, writing, math, sometimes it's uh, work completion goals or social goals. So as a wrestling fan, yeah, for you, I think this is an appropriate question. Let's go. How many Budweiser's do you have every evening when yeah. you get home? Because <laughs> <laughs> it is Budweiser, right? It is. It, <laughs> it is, is Bud. Budweiser. It is Bud. I actually drink um, Bud Zero. That's do you really? Thing. Yeah. Dude, the yeah. Zeros are like magical. Even the soda Zeros and yeah. all that kind of stuff. So I've had for many years problems with sleep. That's been my problem, right? Like anxiety and stuff. And mm. so... I take um, Unisum, so I don't drink alcohol. Okay. And plus, I never can finish an entire beer. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. as that's, you know. That's fair. So, yeah. Uh, Go ahead. Back a couple of years ago, like during COVID, what was like that like when, cause how, did you do push-in or did you have, oh. how did they work that? <laughs> the groan. Sorry, you no, you're, the not, groan. you're not going to sleep <laughs> all weekend now. <laughs> Sorry. No, <laughs> I, you know, I felt, I felt bad for the teachers and I felt bad for the parents. You know, just because they, it it was a struggle. They had to work and they had to somehow figure out the education side of things. So what I would do is um, I would log on and there'd be the gen ed teacher, right? And then I would be there too. Um, And then oftentimes I would use like the chat, right? And be like, kids would like say, okay, I need help with this. Okay, fine. Then I worked one-on-one with them or teachers would uh, put me in a breakout room with not just, and this is why I appreciate it about the teachers I've worked with at Edna and at Adams. It's not like it was, okay, your kids go into a break room, breakout room, right? It's like, no, let's be intentional. Let's put, you know, certain kids together and it really mixed well. Mm-hmm. And it made my students feel like they were a part of the class. Mm-hmm. Your, your yeah. style is super effective and welcoming. Like everything really works well. You're mm-hmm. great at what you do. Uh, did you have some experiences along the way where you learned some lessons or you started out one way? I mean, did you just hit the ground running with all this no. or did you like, like most teachers probably like stumble a little or find some, yeah. like learn some hard lessons or what, what got you to where you are now? Oh man. It's been a lot of trial and error, right? It's been a lot of great 
teachers I've worked with and principals. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, at the center of everything is what's best for the kid, right? And so I have done the let's take them all in my classroom and let's work on this together. And yeah, their grades are great because they're inflated. But then when they come back and visit me years later, they're like, I'm failing. And I, I in the short term, it works, right? Mm-hmm. But long term, I, I can't watch them do that. So what I want to do is build resiliency and perseverance and advocacy skills right with them instead of me swooping in and saying, okay, this is how you do it. Me saying, okay, what do you need to solve this problem? So now it's on it's on them to critically think. So when you first started, you said you were I did. probably more of the former. I wanted to please all the I wanted to please the parents. Right. I wanted to have my kids have straight A's, which I could totally do. You know, I could push the IEP and Modify grades and all that stuff. But. I'm sure that we all could talk about experiences yeah. of students leaving our room and coming back with 100% on test when we know that yep. they are not, they're not going to get 100% yep. on this test. And I've been guilty early on of doing yeah. it, but I just, I cannot do that anymore. So I, and it's hard, it's hard to watch a student because I roll up with students too, right? So yeah, that's right. This is my second year with them. So I'm with them for two years. And then next year, maybe go to sixth grade, be able with them for three years, right? Um, but I can't, I can't look at them and know that in the short term, yeah, I'm solving their problems, but I'm just putting a Band-Aid over a bigger problem. You need to be able to figure out how to do this on your own. What, I mean, that's such a commentary on society. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, it's more than just your job School. that you're talking about. Yeah. You're talking about, you know harassing people or, you know, harassing yep. maybe too strong of a word, but, you know, hammering teachers to make sure your kid gets an A no. in the short term when the truth of the matter is the struggle is is where the learning happens. Right. And, you know, it's kind of interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I celebrate, you know, A's, B's and C's every Thursday. This is what we do. I we congratulate the students who have A's, B's and C's in my tutorial support class. Yeah. And then um, I make cookies or, you know, something and we do something. Congratulate them. Right. And then I take the top student uh, who has the highest GPA and they get a picture next to Ric Flair and to, <laughs> I have Elvis now too, brother Elvis. So nice. um, get a picture holding the wrestling belts next to him. And then they get up on my wall and I have a wall of pictures of students with the highest GPA. I call it the Le Champion wall. That's awesome. So, and then I started incorporating now, I started this uh, last quarter with most improved student because there are a lot of students right. that are working hard but they're just not there yet. Mm-hmm. And so I have found that that letting other students see those students who haven't made it yet has helped motivate them. And so now we have two students. And I always take that picture of them and I send it to the parents. And I get so many like, you can't believe you just made my day with That's this cool. picture. So I capture mean, I, the moments. I remember I, I stopped doing it because of COVID and it involved food. And at some point I want to bring it back. But I used to keep track of kids' grades and then mm. like give them a little letter saying, based on your letter grade, I want you to improve by this percentage next right. quarter. And if you do, then you get to show up to this cookie thing that I do or whatever. I remember that. Um, that was cool. That was pretty cool. And But it sounds like you're kind of doing the same thing. And I'm glad to hear that it's not just the kid who has the highest grade. Because the right. kid who gets a... 73% in quarter one, but a 77% in quarter two, like that kid needs to know, dude, you did something more, yep. you know, than you did last quarter that's causing you to be more successful and you yep. should be proud of that. Yeah. And that's something that I can do because my caseload is 28, right? right? You guys have over a hundred kids. I mean, that's, 
you know, it's, it's a little bit harder, harder, right? For sure. And so what I do at the end of every quarter is I have them pull out their grades and then they calculate their GPA because they know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And then they put down what their GPA is at the end of every quarter. They put what worked well, what didn't work well, what's your goal next quarter. And then the following quarter, we take that out and they compare and they're able to see if their GPA has gone up or not. And That's a lot cool. of times it has. And then they look at their goals. Did I meet my goals? And it's not one of these forced things to do because it's, you know, I have a rapport with them. And so they enjoy doing it. And it's little moments like that to see a kid like get excited, you know? Yeah. So Eric, let's shift a little bit. Okay, let's go. It's, it's, time, it's time to, no, we're not pressing it, but we're just going <laughs> to, it's time to make someone cry. Okay. Um, so one of our audience members, uh, it's time to make them emotional. Can you tell us your most fulfilling experience and interaction that you've had? Like the kid yep. that had the most impact on you and you still think about all the time. Yep. And I still talk to the student, uh, weekly. Oh really? Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I had a student, uh, who was visually impaired, mm -hmm. double A. He was in my class. Yep. I know who he is. Yep. His saying was in a disability is not an impossibility. So this student started in seventh grade and he was visually impaired when I was at Adams and Brian actually had him in class mm -hmm. and he cannot see. He is one eye is completely shut. The other eye is close to being completely shut, like he's losing his vision. Mm -hmm. um, and there was one particular IEP meeting I had and it was so sad. The vision specialist came in and said, here are the goggles put these goggles on and then go outside and see what Alejandro does and has to go through on a daily basis. We all put those on and tried to walk. I don't know how, I don't know how he was able to get through campus. I just don't know how. And he was such a positive, upbeat, loved wrestling student. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and, and what really hit me is when his mom put the goggles on and she stepped outside and she started crying. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, it's my son. And he's doing all of this despite not being able to see. Mm. And if you would know Alejandro, you would know that, yes, he was visually impaired. But he was still walking from class to class. He was started the wrestling club with me. That was so much fun. I remember yeah. that. Um, and it was all him. And here he is now uh, at Heritage years later. He has a podcast. Um, does he really? He does. Oh, he that's his cool. own, What yeah. is it about? Or no, not podcast. It's a YouTube channel. Okay. He does the heritage like pride something. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and he's he's just awesome. Just full of energy. Um, he wants to become a, a teacher. He wants wow. to be oh, a nice. teacher uh, for the visually impaired. He wants to be a professional wrestler. Um, I've gone to wrestling meet and greets where he's made the videos and sent it to me, and I show the the wrestlers, and it's so cool because they're like okay, can you stop the video? And I stop the video and they'll actually like, I'll record them talking back to Alejandro. Wow. And then I send it to him. <laughs> That's cool. It's so cool. <laughs> That's really so, cool. Yeah. Yeah, he was a great kid. Yeah. Oh, and he uh, does hurdles at Heritage. Really? He runs hurdles. He doesn't just walk. Like he like actually runs. And so the coach, he said, I wanted to run, I want to run hurdles. And the coach said, well, you're visually impaired. And he goes, uh-uh. A disability <laughs> is not an impossibility. I'm going to do this. And so they put um, neon like neon colors on the hurdles because he can see bright colors. And he timed it. So the coach say, would run. Is that run like a with, rhythm thing? Yeah, like a it's timing? a rhythm thing. Huh. Just like with swimming, right? With turns and stuff. And so he would run so many and then jump. Run so many and then jump. Wow. 
That is really that's a leap of faith for sure, right? Seriously, a leap of faith. Talk about that. And he does wrestling at Heritage too. So yeah, he's well. That's all feel. Incredible kid. Yeah, I mean, wrestling's all feel, right? Well, yeah. (laughs) Until you get the tables involved and the chairs. That's right. Until you get the barbed wire. That's right. And the cage match. Yeah. Oh, you can't forget. Those are the best. That whole thing. Yeah. Um, What What's uh, What's like one of the biggest challenges of your job for you? Oh man. It's turning off the mind. It's for me. It's it's turning off the mind in the evenings, and being a husband and being a father, and understanding that those things can wait, but it's easier said than done because these kids are not just students. Because I've been with them, like I care about these kids. Where are they going to be ten years from now, mm-hmm. right? But recently, what I've been doing is just kind of trying to detach myself when I leave school. Like school is at school. And it, as you guys know, I mean, we can hop on the computer anytime. It can be all right? consuming. All consuming. Yeah. Um, but I have to be a husband and I, I have to be a father. Yeah. So perfect example. Last night I had two meetings and I could have stayed at school. Instead, I went home, walked into Danica's room and I said, Danica, let's go go out for dinner. And she looked at me. She goes, what are you doing? <laughs> I said, let's go to dinner. And she goes, what's wrong with you? And I said, let's go. And because you're never going to get that time back, right? Because yeah. she's a junior. And so we went to BJ's and had a great dinner and we had fun and we laughed and it was cool. And then you went back for your meetings, right? Yeah. Actually, no, I went home and watched wrestling. Did you? <laughs> so, yeah, buddy. So I, what's it like? I saw the other day, like I think it was on a Friday, but uh, you and your wife, were, who's the counselor at our school, yes. were walking home after school. I was heading out to my car, and I guess you guys were walking home. Yeah. home. Just walk, you're kind of going through the parking lot, past through the church area. Yep. On the way back there, I was like, that is so sweet. It's so cool. Like They're just like yeah. talking at the end of their day, walking home mm-hmm. together. What's that been like having uh, your, your son and your uh, wife at the school? So with Aiden, uh, part of the reason why I left um, Adams was... It's so close. Where I live is a block Oh, yeah. You are walking distance from Edna Hill, for sure. And so Aiden's a seventh grader, and um, I am not allowed to speak unless spoken to. I'm not allowed to look unless (laughs) looked upon. That's the rule for you. That's the rules. That's the unwritten rule. At school? At school. (laughs) So if I lock eyes with him, I am not able to wave or do anything unless he makes a gesture. But if he doesn't make a gesture, I look away and just keep walking. <laughs> do you think it's Do you think it's known with a lot of people that you guys are related? Uh, I mean, they the know. name is not like Smith or something, but yeah, they know. Uh-huh. Um, and so you know, he'll say, "Okay, Dad." Like I've subbed in the PE, you know, and there's a couple boys that think they're all that, right? And I'm like, "Let's do a push-up challenge, right? Let's go," because I do 200 every morning. I said, "Let's do some push-ups, right?" And they can't hang. And then the next day, <laughs> Aiden will go, "Dad." dead you can't do that You're like why not and so i've talked about like starting like the wrestling club i've talked about doing videos like i did at adams and he's like no you are not allowed to do that not until he gets out yeah then it's it's on <laughs> then you it's can on. do whatever you want I'm doing it. what yeah. about having your wife as the counselor uh it's awesome yeah it it's good and it's bad right because going home we can sit and we have done it we've just all night just complained about school yeah um but we take that time from when we leave school till we get home to that's it. You know, we can, you know, vent, mm-hmm. but that's it. But once you walk in the door, a conversation's over. Usually. I- ideally. 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 But then sometimes it comes back to it. Um, I just need to get her more involved in wrestling and rock and roll so then we can start talking about it. Right. right. She needs to watch NASCAR with you. Um, she does. She sometimes, does. But she usually leaves after five minutes. <laughs> so 
That's awesome. We did I'm, go to a Def Leppard and Motley Crue concert. That was fun. That's cool. That was cool. I remember, Eric, that time that we went to that Sears Point race. Was yep. it Sears Point? Yep. It was you and me. Yep. And who went with us? Was it Tim? It might have been Brian? Tim. It was someone. But oh my gosh, it was so hot out there. Yep. <laughs> I was dying. You, yep. you show up with... Like everything you need for this, he's got like a wet rag around his neck. Yeah, yeah. And he's kind of like got his beverages and big old like hat. He's, yeah, he looks cool. comfortable, and I'm sitting in the sun, just just panting like yep. Scooby Doo, going, "Can we can we go somewhere uh-huh. else, please? Uh-huh. Can we just move somewhere else?" But yep. it was pretty fun. I never oh, been to race before. It's great. Yeah. It's so much fun. It's really cool. It's really cool. So I usually go every year. Uh, my father in law was uh, he passed away a couple years ago. And I went to um, the race this year at um, Sonoma. That was hard mm. because I used to go with him all the time mm. and just all the memories. He just was emotionally my, hard. It was. Yeah. He was my father. Mm. So that's tough. And I get didn't get a chance to tell him how much he meant to me before he passed away because he passed away very suddenly. So mm. you never know. Right. Right. For sure. Each day to the fullest. Do you see yourself doing anything else? Uh, professional wrestler? Well, no. I mean, that's a given. Obviously, <laughs> no. given on the, the senior circuit. <laughs> no, I have found my calling. This is what I want to do. If you know, I I'll be honest with you. I've thought many a times I want to do something else. What else can I do? Mm-hmm. I can't keep doing this. But I walk into my room and I see the the pictures of Alejandro and I read the cards and all the memories and all the stuff that's there. And it's like I can't walk away from this. Yeah. So do you think like sometimes. is it? Uh, having your efficacy being hands-on with the kids in the classrooms or would you ever want to do like program manager like district level no 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 way i won't touch that i've been asked hell hell to the no (laughs) (laughs) um no i've been asked and i have said absolutely not yeah i will not leave the classroom um i have seen what that can do to people and I will not allow that to be done to myself or my family. Do you yeah. think is some of it like the the legality yes. that gets into it? Like the, I'm not sure if people really are aware, uh, but teaching, you know, if a student has an IEP or 504, they're legal documents those yeah. that say what a student's modifications or accommodations, like suggestions about where they sit. You know, they're things teachers need to follow. But for us, you know, it's it's one piece of paper kind of with directions on it and we go to the meetings and we mm-hmm. follow up with students but for you you're in a thing that's you have those meetings and there's advocates and people that our district's been sued a number of times and, yeah. and the people you walk into meetings where people are just not happy there's yeah. some people bring a lot of baggage in there too right yeah. like they yeah. maybe their kid wasn't serviced properly yep. in the younger grades they yeah. had bad experiences but uh how does that i don't know weigh into your life Yeah. So when I first started, I did have advocates, right? And I was a people pleaser. So I was like, I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. Please Mm -hmm. just don't be mad at me. Leave me alone. Don't be mad at me. me. (laughs) But ultimately, I found throughout the years, it's, it's not my problem, right? A lot of this is, you know, been years and years of, of trauma. And it's really parents who care, right? They ultimately care, and they don't know what to do. And so by rolling up with these students, it prevents a lot of the bad meetings. Like, honestly, I haven't had any really contentious meetings because I always try to communicate with the parents ahead of time. Real quick, just to 
clarify there. So you last year you were with me in seventh grade. Yes. You've moved this year to eighth grade Correct. with those same students. Same so rolling students. up, yep. you're with the same kids two Correct. years in a row. Yep. You move. Sorry. Yep. Yep. And then any new ones get added on, right? And then they come into, you know, my group. Um, but yeah, ultimately being with them helps because I'm able to build the re- build a rapport, right? So here, here's how I look at it. Okay, we have to every year have an IEP meeting, right? It's legal. We, ha- we have to. We're out of compliance if we don't. Um, annual IEPs should be 30 minutes or less. Triannuals, which are the ones with the testing and stuff, mm-hmm. should be no longer than an hour. 45 minutes is my goal. Okay, in order to make that happen, though, I have to send all the paperwork stuff he- ahead of time to mm-hmm. the parents. Because I'm looking at you guys who have taught all day long to more students than I interact with on my caseload, right? And I have to be conscientious of your time because legally we have to have teachers come. So if I want you to be a part of the team, then I need to do my part. Mm -hmm. Now, that's the paperwork side of stuff, right? So when I do that is usually on Saturday or Sunday mornings when the house is completely quiet. That's when I do my paperwork. Mm. Um, so I usually, like I said, wake up 4.30, and so then I do it like 4.30 until 7, 7.30, and then I go to the gym. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's what I do. So so let me ask you yep. one last question, if that's okay. Uh, and that is, um, just give you the floor to tell our our massive audience. Right. Just all. <laughs> the millions and millions. All <laughs> tens of We're them. We're going across go. state, um, state borders all over. Uh-huh. What is what is something that you want them or would like them to know about what you do? Like um, what do people need to know about special ed teachers, teaching, and the work? Okay. First of all, I would love tickets to WrestleMania 40 in Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. Front row, please. Um, what I want them to know about special education, right? Is that what the question was? Yeah, about okay. yeah, the, the whole thing that you do. Yeah. Okay, is that I and the special ed teachers will never give up on any student, regardless of what their needs are. Because every single student is a human being, regardless of their disability or whatever it is, right? Um, and that my job is to come alongside those parents in those moments when you know, their kid turns into this monster during these teenage years and eventually mm-hmm. they grow out of it. But my job is to help come alongside and say, it's going to be okay. Don't give up. I'm going to capture the, the good moments and share those positive moments with those parents to help keep them going. Mm-hmm. Because without the parents, so, so special ed has, in order for this to work, it's like a stool, right? Um, there's three legs to it. I have to, special ed teachers, have to communicate with the gen ed teachers because they're human they get frustrated too right um i have to provide support to them and i have to do more listening than talking because really they just want to be heard then the other part of it is the parents i have to spend more time listening than talking to the parents so tell me what you're frustrated about which i don't even have to ask they usually tell me okay that sounds that's free information free information (laughs) it sounds tough right um, tell me more about that. A lot of reflective listening. And then the third stool is the, is the students. And I have to be there for them. Even on those mornings when I don't really want to be there, I'd rather go take my special ed release day, which I've never taken. Mm. I'd rather just not be there because I'm sick or, you know, I want to watch wrestling, right? Right. Or um, wrestling's on. Yeah, or wrestling's on. Or um, NASCAR, right? Sure. So, but no, I have to balance those three legs of the stool in order for this thing to work. Okay, as a quick follow-up there yep. on the the students, at middle school, uh, how much, 
or how many of the students and to what extent have some of the kids just built up an armor against school as being a place that's frustrating or they mm-hmm. experience failure? Like how much of your job is almost like reprogramming as well as like teaching people who have an identified difficulty with something, mm-hmm. like taking out the part of where they protect themselves from the failure aspect? How much is, what goes into that? Quite a bit. You have to rewire them. Because a lot of them, if they know they are labeled special ed, right, or they have an IEP, they're like, oh, I'm a sped kid. But I will guarantee you, you talk to my students, most students don't even know they have an IEP because I don't treat them like they have a disability. Mm. I treat them as they are human beings and they're capable, Mm -hmm. right? And then my job is to provide, you know, fill in the gaps as much as possible. But there are students where you have to rewire them because they hate school because they keep failing. So what I do is I don't have students look at grades anymore. You look at your percents. Look at your percents last week compared to this week. So if you have a 43% this week and next week you have a 55%, yes, you still have an F, but you increased. Mm -hmm. And if you keep increasing, stop looking at the grades and I have to retrain the parents the same way then eventually you're going to get where you want to get. Mm. But ultimately, it's up to you, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So. Eric, we, we appreciate you, man. All right. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much. Uh, for those of you listening today, hopefully you got some insight into special education and what really goes into that. And and honestly, the great work that Eric is doing and what we always hope um, educators yeah. are doing for, for students. Uh, if you are interested in following us on social media, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook. At Midmen Pod, we are trying to post things regularly, and you're always welcome to email us at midmenpod at gmail.com. And one more thing yeah. before we sign Let's off. Do it. 5 p.m. tomorrow on <laughs> Peacock Royal Rumble. It's WrestleMania season. Tomorrow is what? The 27th? That's what it is. Well, this isn't going to go out until Tuesday. Okay, so, so we're already going to know. So you're going to have to watch it. You're going to have to make a prediction right I'm now. I'm making a prediction. Make a prediction. Are we ready for the prediction? We'll see. Okay, here's what's going to happen. Cody Rhodes is going to throw out CM Punk. He's going to be the last man standing. He's going to then take on Roman Reigns, and he's going to finish the story for his daddy. All right. We'll hold you to that. There you go. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. Bye.